chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I doubt I'll give very many comments tonight. I've got a lot of scripture that I'd like to just read to you and let the Lord tell you out of his book what he says about it instead of a lot of explanation. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. It says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Here uh, in this passage, there's a lot of things that we find in the blood. There are blessings tied to the blood of Jesus Christ. And here in this passage, I'll pull just a few of those out. As we look in verse 25, said God setting forth to be a propitiation, which means a satisfaction. God is the one who is wronged. He's the one to be satisfied. Uh, the blood of bulls and goats that were offered on an altar could not satisfy the Lord. All it would do is take the sin debt, push it over to another year. It never took sins away. It only covered them. But Jesus did way more than cover your sin. He took them away. And that is what the blood of Jesus Christ did here. So uh, let's look at that. First off, in verse 25, God had to be satisfied. That's what propitiation means. And how is he satisfied? Through faith in his blood. There's faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. If you don't have faith that his blood's enough, you don't have any covering for your sin. So faith is rooted in the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, now let's look here a little further. It says to declare his righteousness. There's no righteousness apart from his blood. What else does it say here? It says for the remission of sins that are past. Remission means forgiveness. There's no remission of sins. Uh, if his blood wasn't shed, your sins couldn't be forgiven. And as we look down through here, uh, notice this. Sins that are past. It's what you've done. How does God call it? In the past. Is it, are your sins in the past? Or are they still weighing down on you? Or where are your sins? Are they gone? Hey, the blood of the Lamb's been shed. He doesn't have, you don't have to ask who's going to go up and get him. Who's going to go down to hell and pull him back up? He's already done all of that. He doesn't have to die again. This man offered up himself once and for all. He doesn't have to die again. That's already done on the cross. He said, it's finished. Is it finished in you? By the shedding of blood, 
There is remission of sin. Hebrews chapter 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Remission means forgiveness. There must be bloodshed. When, look, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what happened? God clothed them with coats of skin, which means something had to die to cover them. God is the one who set forth the example of killing an innocent animal, a substitute to cover sinful man. Adam took that and he taught his children. That's why Abel offered what he did and Cain offered what he wanted. And God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's because Cain offered whatever he thought God should have. Abel offered what God required. The blood of a lamb. That's why Abel offered the firstling of his flock. All throughout history, it's been a lamb with bloodshed. And if you could go back through the corridors of time, and you could go back beyond when God said, let there be light, and you could go down a dark chasm, way back into eternity past, as far back as we can go, there was a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That's as far back as we know. Before he said, let there be light, there was a lamb that had been slain. There's remission of sin. And as we look down through here, uh, I'll not get to all of these, but it says uh, also in verse 24, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. There's redemption. That means something was lost and it needed to be purchased again. What? Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and we've come to him, Hebrews 10 says, to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Jesus shed his blood so that you and I may be redeemed. Fallen man, redeemed, bought back, off the auction block of sin. How did that come to be? Hey, brothers and sisters, I want you to remember, you are not bought with uh, things such as silver and gold or precious jewels, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for you. That's how much he loved you. There's redemption we also see in the scripture the term ransom. Ransom means someone was held hostage against their will and there was a payment made to where the ransom was met and that one that was held as a slave and a captive was turned loose. By birth and by our nature, we were born into this world sinners. We can't help ourselves. We, we are by birth. You are a sinner. Like it or not, you were born a sinner. You can't help yourself, and you're bound. You are taken captive by the devil at his will. You can't be free except for bloodshed and a ransom paid, and you can be free. And what once held you holds you no more. The ransom's been met by the blood of Jesus Christ. There are blessings throughout the Bible that tie to the blood. And we are told, uh, thumb over to Hebrews chapter 10. There are so many scriptures. Oh, me. 
If we was to take a walk through the scripture, it would take us months to go through all that the blood has of Jesus Christ has done for us. Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 17. I love it. Go back to 16. Look at what the Lord says. Well, go back to 15. I'm sorry. I, it's hard to find a beginning point. Look at who's talking here. Verse 15. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before. Who's the one talking? The Holy Ghost. He said before. Notice that. In verse 16, he said, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That's what the Lord said in, uh, in the Jeremiah chapter 31. Now look in verse 18. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. What was the offering? What was offered to where you don't have to offer anything anymore? Go back to chapter 9. Look in verse 12. Hebrews 9 and verse 12. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Look in verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, uh, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? What was the offering? Jesus himself he, he offered his own blood. Uh, in another place it said he offered his own body. It's the body and the blood. Isn't that what this up here means? Look here. You ever look at that? You ever get bored of listening to me and you just look around and you count light bulbs and then you look up here? This do in remembrance of me. Do what? Do what? What is this table called? The communion table, right? To do what? The Lord's Supper. And here's what Jesus said. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood in the New Testament. And as oft as you break this bread and as oft as you drink this cup, this do in remembrance of me. Remember my sacrifice. And Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians, I believe, he said, and as oft as you eat this uh, bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we have the Lord's Supper, we show forth his death, that it was his body and his blood. His body was broken. His blood was shed. His blood wasn't spilt. His blood was shed on purpose. Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. I take it up. And what did he do? He laid himself down, he offered up his own body, and then his own blood. Why did he do that? Well, look down through verse or chapter 9 here. It says in verse 20, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. What has he enjoined unto you? 
Verse 21, what did Jesus do? Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. This is what the Old Testament high priest did. He sprinkled the tabernacle and everything that was in the tabernacle. And in verse 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Let me ask you this question. It says in verse 22, almost all things are by law purged with blood. The law said that there had to be a sacrifice offered on an altar and the blood had to be collected at the basin of the altar and the high priest had to take the blood and he had to put in hyssop, which was a bush that grew uh, locally, and he had to dip it in the blood and he had to sprinkle it like that. And he had to sprinkle the mercy seat and he had to sprinkle the altar and he had to sprinkle the book and he had to sprinkle the people and he had to sprinkle all the vessels and he had to sprinkle everything because everything was cleansed by blood and the, uh, it was purified. But in verse 22 here that we read, it says almost all things are purged with well, what's not purged with blood in the Old Testament by the law? What's not purged by the law? Look in verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit uh, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Do you know what wasn't purged by blood in the Old Testament? Your conscience. Do you know what is purged by blood in the New Testament? Your conscience. To where you can lay your head on your pillow at night and you don't have to worry. Was that enough? Will my sins come back on me tomorrow? I'm sure in the Old Testament, by faith, they brought their sacrifice. They offered it according to the law. But as they laid down at night, I'm sure at times they wondered, will it work? And then oftentimes, something bad would happen in life, and people's immediate thought is, God's repaying me for what I did. He's getting me back. I offered a sacrifice, but it was too much. My sin was too great. And that sacrifice that I offered of that lamb or that bull, that didn't cover it. But not so with Jesus' blood. Everything. Everything is purged by Jesus' blood. And your conscience will even lay down and not condemn you. That's what it says in 1 John. It says, brethren, he says, and if our heart condemn us, he is greater than our heart. There are some things that I've done in my past that I look on with shame, and it still brings me shame. But when I get bit back up underneath the cross and I see what it costs, my conscience lays down and says, that really was enough, and I feel it no more. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. The sprinkling of blood will purge your conscience. In chapter 12, Hebrews 12, uh, it, here's what it says in verse 24, that we've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. This is Hebrews 12, verse 24. 
to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. He sprinkled his blood according to Hebrews 10. He entered into the holy place once for all with his own blood and he sprinkled the mercy seat and God is satisfied and the propitiation for my sin and yours is forever done in Jesus' blood. And where the offering of this is, there is no more offering for sin. There is nothing else I can add to it nor take away from. Jesus' blood is enough. And I'll tell you, friend, that we sang tonight about the, there's power in the blood. Here's where you find the power. If you're waiting on power, it's in the blood. That's where it's at. Look here. We need the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. But the shedding of blood on Calvary, when there was an outpouring of Jesus' blood, there was an outpouring of the Spirit of God. There could be no pouring out of the Spirit without the shedding of blood. But since there has been a shedding of blood, there is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. What we need is a manifestation of what's already in reality. We're not waiting on something new to happen. We need to get back where the power is at. It's in the blood Power is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And to say anything less than that is to say his blood has lost his power. And that would be a damnable heresy hatched out of the pits of hell. Jesus' blood shall never lose its power. Never, 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 never. Because if it did, you and I, friend, are without hope and without God in this world. If his blood ever loses its power, then there will come a day when God will have to boot us out of heaven. Because it says, according to this book in Revelation 5, and in Revelation 6, and in Revelation 16, and in Revelation 21 and 22, and elsewhere, it says that we sing a song in heaven which is worthy as the Lamb that lives. No, no. That was slain. For thou hast redeemed us. How? Are you there? Are you thinking? Worthy is the Lamb. For thou hast uh, redeemed us by thy blood. We sing in heaven about the blood. Before the foundation of the world, there was a Lamb that had been slain. Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain on the cross in eternity to come. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, for thou hast redeemed us by thy blood. It's still the same old story. The old story, as we sing it, will never grow old. When we get to heaven one day, we'll still be singing about the blood. There are blessings in the blood. Go to Hebrews 10. I want you to see this. Hebrews 10 and verse 19 it says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. How? By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us. It'd do you good to start digging through your Bible and see what the Bible says that Jesus did 
for us. You want me to give you a few? Here's your bonus for the night. I'm going to give you a couple of bonus ones. For us. What has Jesus done for us? Here in this passage, it says he's consecrated a way for us to get into the holy place. The holy place is where sins are paid for. It's where you meet with God. It's the throne of God. It's where you get what you need from God. It's where your prayers can be answered. This is what Hebrews 10 is talking about. What has, God, what has Jesus' blood done for you? It's given you access in to where you can be heard by the Lord himself. And you don't have to depend upon any one man to do it. We don't have to depend upon any one high priestly man because there is one man that's entered in, Jesus Christ the righteous. And by him, our mediator, we have access by his blood. For us, here's what the Bible says, that he's raised up for us a horn of salvation, that God provided some better thing for us. He delivered him up for us all. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He says that God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. Hey, the Bible goes on to say that Christ died for us, that he loved us, and he's given himself for us. He died for us. He laid down his life for us. He suffered for us. He is our Passover. He was sacrificed for us. He's redeemed us. He was made a curse for us. He obtained eternal redemption for us. He's our forerunner, and he's entered into the veil for us. He has appeared in the presence of God for us. He's consecrated for us a new and living way. He's made intercession for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? You think God's for you? He would have never done all that he's done if he wasn't for you. He had you in mind when he made this world. He had you in mind when he gave the law. He had you in mind when man couldn't fulfill the law. He had you in mind when he sent his only begotten son. He had you in mind when he sent his son to bleed and die for my sin and yours and to take care of what we couldn't do. He had us in mind when he raised him from the dead for Christ. He's raised his... Uh, his uh, ah, it left me. It'll come back around. He was raised for us. There it is. He was raised for us is what it says. And uh, his resurrection is our justification. When he got up out of the grave, he had you in mind. Because as he lives again, we'll live again. He had you in mind when he ascended to heaven. Do you know why? Because there's something in heaven now that was never in heaven before he went there, after he ascended. Guess, what, guess what's there now? A man on the throne. There's a man on the throne. How do I know I'm going to be heard? Because somebody's for me there. And he's praying for me. And he's got my interest. And what I need, he's got an eye to. And he's going to make sure I'm not left out. He's there. Guess what else is there? There are five wounds that Christ received on Calvary. His hands, his feet, and his heart was pierced. 
five bleeding wounds he bare, received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. <laughs> Do you know what's there in heaven? Something that was never there before. The only thing that's man-made in heaven are the wounds we gave him. And guess what? In eternity to come, when no man was worthy to open the scroll and to, and to uh, begin the end of all things on this earth, there was one, for John was told, Weep not, behold, the light of the tribe of Judah. He said, And I looked, and I beheld a lamb as it had been slain. Jesus' wounds aren't healed over. They're still there. Fresh and new. Thank the Lord God in heaven for the blood of Jesus Christ. I am a shoe-in. There is no way I'm not going to get what I need. There's no way. You know, look, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Here. In Exodus, when the, when the Lord told Moses, you tell the people, pick you out a lamb, bring him into your house, you take the lamb in, and then you take your lamb, now that he's gotten close to you and he's personal, and you kill that lamb after four days, and you take his blood, and you take that hyssop, and you put it, you strike the doorpost, and they hear it. What did the Lord say? When I see the blood, what will I do? I'll pass over you. I'll pass over you. The blood, the lamb had to be killed. The blood had to be collected. The blood had to be applied. And then you had to stay in the house if you went over that threshold before the death angel came through. You were on your own terms and grounds. But if you stayed under the blood, the Lord said, I'll take care of it. Now let me tell you how this goes. They did that. And I can hear all the songs ringing in my ear. I hear that song Brother Tim used to sing, Is the Blood Still There? And uh, uh, just thinking about that Hebrew boy who was there wondering, is it going to be all right? And then the storm came, and after all the damage was done, guess what? Still safe and secure because the blood's there. You know how you're guaranteed you're going to make it? When the blood was applied and they were safe and the death angel passed through, and the, it was the covering of the blood that got them in. But they had to stay there and in the house until the Lord said, it's time to go. And then the Lord got them out of Egypt that night. And when they got to the deep Red Sea, and they didn't know which other way to turn, what was it that got them through? It was the blood. Because... Here's the deal. The Lord said, if you'll obey me and you'll stay in the house with the blood, I'm going to make sure you enter the promised land all the way in. If you'll obey me, then it's on me. And I'll make sure you make it. 
You know how I'm, I can guarantee you if your sins are under the blood, I can guarantee you you're going to make it. And I'm going to tell you how. Because if your sins are under the blood, the Lord has taken it personally upon himself to make sure you enter in. I have an inheritance undefiled, uh, it's undeserved, but guess what? It's reserved for me in heaven, a crown that fadeth not away. I am going to my inheritance, and guess what? Put it there, the blood. It was purchased for me by blood. Amen. Thank the Lord for the blood. Yes, indeed. Where, there, where remission of these things are, there's no more offering for sin. Having therefore brethren. He's talking to, to us, brothers, sisters in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in him? Has his blood covered you? He says, having therefore brethren. Boldness to enter into the holiest. Hey, that was a forbidden place. The high priest could only go there once a year and he couldn't go without blood. But our high priest has opened the way. And what he did was he tore the veil from top to bottom. And guess what religion does? Religion tries to stitch it up from the bottom to the top. But Jesus tore it from top to bottom and he made a new and living way. And he says, come on in, guys. You can meet with God yourself. I'm there. I'm on the mercy seat. My blood's there. It's forever paid for. You don't have to offer nothing else. It doesn't depend upon your tears or upon your prayers or upon your strivings or your repentings or any of that. It's all paid for. Come on in. Get what you need. Have you gotten what you need from him? Why not? The blood's been shed. It's been applied. You've got an entryway in. The only reason you won't go in is because you don't want to. Say, is that scripture? Yeah. Let me find it real quick. Oh, here it is. Yeah. It's in the same passage. We'll get there. Look here in verse 19. Boldness. That, that word, this is the second time it's come up in Hebrews. For we're told also in Hebrews 4, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. Where is the throne of grace? According to Exodus, the mercy seat was the throne of God. It's where the cherubim were. And they looked and they bowed their heads to, together and their wings touched. And that was where the blood had to be applied because that was the throne. And guess what? The blood of Jesus has been put on the throne. And therefore, we can have boldness to come in. And you can get mercy. And you can get grace to help you in your time of need. The only reason we won't come in is because we don't need help. But if you need help... Come in. Come in. The blood's there. It's not lost its power. His blood is still doing what it's supposed to do. You can get what you need tonight. You can get what you need now if you need it. Look in chapter Hebrews 10 in verse 29. Uh, in verse 28, it says, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment suppose ye 
Shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was, he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace? You see that? You can count his blood as nothing. Say, well, this is to lost people. I don't think so. What's the title at the top of your book say here? Hebrews. Who were the Hebrews? God's people. They were God's people. This is not a passage written to lost people. This is written to save people. And what they had done was they were struggling with, with going back and trying to make it a formal religious duty and obligation again. And they're being encouraged here. Jesus' blood was enough. Quit listening to others who saying you got to add something to it. You don't add anything to Jesus' blood. What he did was enough. It's settled. It's done. It's paid for forever. Quit adding anything to it. Quit adding your religion to it or whatever you think you need to see to it. That's wrong. His blood is enough. There's power in the blood. And to say that you need something extra to add to it, you are saying that his blood, what you're doing is what he's already shed, you're walking over the top of, and you're saying, that ain't enough. I need it my way. I don't care about his way. I want it mine. And under Moses' law, when you did that, you died under two or three witnesses. But Moses' law could only kill the body. You want me to tell you what the righteous judge can do? Destroy body and soul in hell. He's trying to encourage them to keep going forward, keep going onward, quit laying uh, quit trying to lay principles and foundations again of doctrines of repentance and faith. Hey, salvation is good, but if that's all you know, you're a baby on the bottle. The Christian life is not about sucking on a bottle. It's about enduring strong meat. Say, where is that? Hebrews chapter 4 and 5. It's about time we grow up. It would not look right to me if I went down to Barton School and I entered into the second grade classroom and Miss Dorothy was there being taught, trying to squeeze in those tiny chairs and desks. What, what would you think? Is it okay for people uh, who say that they know Jesus Christ and never walk with him or trust him for anything else, all that they know is to say, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. Hey, that's birth. What about growing up? What about walking with him? What about trusting him in a greater way? What about being an Enoch and a was-notter because he walked with God and he was not, for God took him. What about walking with him? What about it? What about progressing? What about adding to your faith? What about giving diligence to it to add to your faith? That's 2 Peter chapter 1. And there are things to be added to faith. Uh, faith is a gift. He gave that to you, but it's yours to cultivate. Look, if I gave you a piece of ground and I said, this is yours, Here's all the equipment. You can farm it. You can do anything you want to. But all that you do is sit in your house and you look out at the barn and you look at the tractor and you look at your field and say, that's mine. It was given to me. It's producing nothing. 
has to be worked. It's the same way with salvation. It's the same thing with faith. It's given to you as a gift, but the adding to it, that's on us. How can we be sure that we'll get what we need? The blood of Jesus Christ has ensured that we will get what we need. It's a guarantee. Are you giving diligence to the blood? Are you making full use of the benefits, the blessings, the privileges that he's given you? Aren't you going into the throne room boldly by the blood of Jesus Christ? Just one more thought uh, that I'll give you this evening. If you would take from Romans to Jude, those are all epistles. Those are letters written by men, by apostles. They were written for our learning and our understanding, okay? And if you would take those, uh, sandwiched in there, it's only most of the time a verse or two, but there are prayers in there that will help you to pray and to see how they prayed so that we would know how we're to enter into the holy place by, with confidence and get what we need. Isn't that what John said in 1 John 5? And hereby we do know, uh, he said, uh, hereby we do know that we know him and, uh, and we have the things which we ask of him if we ask anything according to it. Hereby we do know that he heareth us. There it is. Hereby we do know that he heareth us and we have the things which we ask of him uh, if we ask according to his will. Isn't that what he said? Well, how do you know what his will is? There is a passage that says that us entering by the blood of Jesus Christ is the will of God for you. And if you would take the apostles' prayers that are written in here uh, from Romans to Jude and you would look at what they said, more times than not, they approached the throne based upon the blood of Jesus Christ. It do us all good to go back and remember what it was that purchased us, it was blood. We're not our own. We were bought with a price, and that's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's the way that we're to approach the throne. Not trying to earn favor or merits or credits with the Lord, and now that I'm at a certain place and I'm at a certain level, now God will listen to me. Oh, no. It's all in the blood. And if the blood has lost his power, we might as well lock the doors and not ever return. We might as well die hopeless because there's no future in heaven either if the blood has lost its power. But I tell you tonight, his blood has not lost its power at all. His blood can still do exactly what we need done. And it's guaranteed to give us what we need. God has made sure that we've got it. Are you making use of it? Are you entering, in with bold, entering in with boldness into the throne of grace? You can get it if you need it. I encourage you to do that. Find a place. Talk to the Lord. Be honest with Him. Approach by the blood that's already been shed for you. You'll find what you need. It was.